0: Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning, church. It's great to have you here and uh, so wonderful to gather together this second Sunday of Advent, and just want to welcome you here today. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors here at The Vine, and we are in the second week of Advent, which is the Sunday that we focus on hope. And you know what? Uh, Hope is a huge issue, especially in today's world, right? We all need it in different ways. And uh, yet, we don't need hope as the world or the culture defines it. You know, think about how. The world defines hope. It's more of a feeling or a desire. Like, I hope I get that right Christmas present. Right, kids? Or I hope my football team wins. Go, Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) Or I hope, you know, I hope that I get that promotion. I hope, you know, I, I... get my circumstances to somehow work out. These are all just, these are fine things, but they're just desires. But the biblical understanding of hope is much more sure. It actually, the the word for hope in the Bible means like a trust or a waiting or an expectation. It is like instead of a I hope so, it is a I know so, I know so kind of reality. And so today, as we look at God's word and we continue our our series, A Gift That Changes the World, we want to share with you today about that kind of knowing so kind of hope. Many, Mary, will see today in our passage trusted in God and expected Him to keep every one of His promises. And so look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 with us. And remember that as we remind you each week that this is God's holy word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thanks be to our great God for his holy, reliable word. Amen. So today, as we think about how do you grow in a knowing-so kind of hope, we're going to look at two things today, and the first is this. Put your hope in God's promises. Look back at verse 26. In In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Here, you see, the angel Gabriel appears again to Mary. We saw last week, Pastor Tim's sermon, he appeared to Zechariah. This guy has a busy Christmas season. And here he comes, you know, kind of imagine what it was to have an angel appear to you. This amazing, massive, supernatural being with probably filled with great light and you can imagine Mary just this kind of uh, humble woman from the north from an uneducated small little village and she was apparently a teenager and this angel appears with her before her to give her the very word of god and so we see is that uh, that Last week, the same angel appeared to Zechariah the priest, and Tim reminded us that uh, God had given through angel Gabriel the message to Zechariah that he, his wife, who was 70 years old, would have a son, and they would name him John. And he would be the one who would proclaim and announce the coming Savior of the world. And Tim also reminded us that, that it had been over 400 years since God had spoken to his people. That's a long time, right? And, and now he's speaking to them again through Gabriel. And in verse 27 teaches us that Mary was betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now, when you hear that word betrothed, we think about engaged, but it's different. Betrothed back in the ancient culture was more of a three-step process, as the British say. And the step one is the engagement. The dads actually choose their child's spouse. How would you like that? (laughs) That's still done in some cultures around the world. But then secondly, there would be a, a betrothal ceremony where the bride and groom and their families and friends would come around together and they would make promises to one another. And about a year later, the, the husband, the groom, would come and get his bride. And, and another difference between engagement and betrothal was, was that to be betrothed could only end in a divorce. So it was serious business to be betrothed. And imagine Mary, how serious a, a young woman she was. And now she's saying, I'm going to get Have a child. This is crazy. Luke chapter 1 verse 28 goes on as the story continues. And it says, and he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, wow, can you imagine what Mary must have felt when he said that? Now, uh, let me deviate for just a moment or two to tell you what being Mary being favored was and was not. First of all, what was that? What is it? To be, for Mary to be favored was that she was going to give birth, she was going to conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world, the promised one that the whole of the Old Testament and the saints in those days had looked forward to for hundreds and hundreds of years. What a great honor. But what it doesn't mean is a couple things. And the first thing is, it doesn't mean that her circumstances would be easy. You know, if you remember Mary, uh, she had some really hard things happen when Jesus was first born. But she had some really even, if you just focus on her family and some of the deaths in her family. First of all, her, her husband Joseph, probably at 40 or 50 years old, died. And then she saw Jesus, this promised Savior of the world, she saw him, remember, die on a cross. And then later, she likely saw another one of her sons, James, who earlier in his life completely had, had unbelief towards Jesus, but then he converted in faith to Jesus and became in essence, the overseer of the church of Jerusalem, and he was killed, beheaded for it. I mean, Mary had a tough life. And she thinks, oh, wow, I get to be favored. And we as Americans think about favored is like, I'm going to have smooth sailing circumstances. But that's not what favor is, biblically speaking. Secondly, Being favored for Mary was not saying that she was sinless. We know from Scripture, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when it says, if you look again at verse 28, O favored one, the Lord is with you. In the Latin translation, it is translated wrongly this way, Hail Mary full of grace." Have you ever heard that phrase, hail Mary, full of grace, anyone? You know, that, that phrase is actually, is a wrong translation because what it does is it implies that Mary somehow was a source of grace herself, that she could, through herself, help others to receive God's grace. But she, look, she needed, though she was highly favored by God and would give birth to the Messiah of the world, and we honor her for that, she needed God's grace just as much as you and me. She struggled with sin, just like you and me. And yet, God, still in His wonderful sovereignty and goodness, chose to select Mary to, to give birth to the Savior of the world. Verse 29 goes on to say that Mary was greatly troubled at this saying You think so? <laughs> yeah she likely began to just ponder, what does this mean? She's calculating, what does this mean? How could I be favored by God? This is overwhelming. And in verse 30, we see there that Gabriel doesn't dive into a lot of detail of telling us really how this is all going to transpire. He simply says this, do not fear, a.k.a., Trust God and his promises. You see, not just for Mary, but for us, God's word. God's word often instructs us to trust him without tons of explanation. Trust, hope in, expectation for God and his promises is what he calls us to. For example, in his word, we know some. Some promises he, he, he tells us clearly that we are to hope in him in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Mark 5:36. Do not fear, only believe. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. God's word tells us that those who hope in his promises will find great favor in him. And guess what? If you know Christ as your God and Lord and Savior, if you're his son or daughter, you are greatly favored by God. You are, he could say these words, you are highly favored. Think about that. Pause on that. Do you believe that? Do you really know how much favor and grace God has lavished on you and me and all those who believe in him? You see, let's constantly remind us of the truth of God's word and his promises that he gives to us that and that gives us hope. I love what Pastor John Piper says about this. He says, one of the great enemies of hope is forgetting God's promises. That, that's one of the great enemies. Are you remembering it? Are you, guys, are you guys looking at God's promises for your life? Are you reading them? Are you telling them to you, one another If in your family? If you have a family, if with your friends, are you encouraging one another in the promises of God? You see, this grows hope. So we see, and not just a I hope so kind of hope, It's a knowing so kind of hope. So the second way we we can grow in a knowing so kind of hope is not only putting your hope in God's promises, but secondly, faith in Jesus gives us hope. You see, faith is needed because uh, it's it's just thinking about uh, the difference between faith and hope, and really there's not a whole lot of it. You know, you think about faith and hope, and it's all about expecting, believing, trusting. Hebrews 11 talks about faith and hoping together. The God's word kind of, you know, there is, there are, there's a lot of similarities, but faith is even more than hope in these two areas. One, faith is placed in a person, and we know that person is Jesus, right? It's a personal relationship that we place our expectation, our confidence, are waiting in. Uh, also, second difference is this. Hope only looks one direction. It looks to the future. Faith looks to the future and to the past as we live in the present. And so today, are we growing in our placing our faith in Jesus and what he has done... And then also believing in his first coming and all that he's accomplished. And are we also by faith looking forward to his second coming? And guess what that does when we live in that faith? It builds hope. It gives us, grows us hope as we put our confidence in Jesus alone. Look at what the angel Gabriel tells Mary about her child in verse 31. He says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is the same name as, in the Old Testament, Joshua in the Old. And Joshua and Jesus mean Yahshua, which means deliverer. This name is given to the Lord and we know in Matthew's gospel it gives us even more information about Jesus when it says in Matthew one twenty one, for he will save his people from their sins. And if that's not enough to take in for Mary, Gabriel goes on to say this, verse 32, and he, your son, will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary's son, imagine what she's like, is going to reign on the throne of David. Remember, David's the greatest king over all of Israel. He's saying he's going to be the greatest of all of Israel. But listen, his reign is not just temporary like David's. David's died, and there's a tomb in Israel called David's tomb. That's a great name, right? But Jesus came to reign forever. And ever, verse 33 says, of his kingdom there will be no end. <laughs> and Jesus is this great God of verse 32. He will be great because he holds together perfectly a humility and a greatness in, in one person. And he shows us that greatness of his, great, his greatness in his humiliation, as we read earlier in Philippians 2. That he humbled himself. He made himself nothing. He became a servant. And of course, the greatest humiliation of Christ that he was great to endure was the cross for you and me. That we might receive rescue. That we might become his beloved. His favored ones. You see, Jesus is much more than just a little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's a mighty king, a glorious Lord who has come, and when he comes that he comes, and even this day, you can't remain neutral in your w- response to him. You either come with worship to say, "I put my faith and hope in you, Lord," or not." You see, imagine how hard this, all this, this this overwhelming message to young teenage Mary must have been. So much had to be running through her mind. Gabriel is telling her that she's going to be pregnant, and yet she's still a virgin. If that's, hard, if that's not hard enough to comprehend, she's, she's told this by this supernatural angel. And she's betrothed, remember that. Who's gonna believe this? That, That God did this pregnancy, that He overshadowed her? What she can imagine, what do I tell Joseph? My parents, what do I tell my community? Will my betrothal end in my divorce? Will I be thrown out on the streets? And overwhelmed, Mary replies. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? (laughs) Good question, right? And then we find the angel's answer in verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was is, who is called barren. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Again, Gabriel doesn't give... Mary, a lot of information, but he clearly tells her that this won't happen by human means. I, the Lord, will do this. I will do my work. And he tells Mary that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, will overshadow her. God himself will impregnate Mary. And this is the, and with the Holy Son of God. Alistair Begg, a preacher and author, comments on this verse. He he writes this. I, I love it. He says, Neither God nor Gabriel demanded that Mary understand everything. For those of you who are waiting to understand everything to become a Christian, you will never understand everything. That's true. And it's true not just for... Those who aren't Christians, if you're a Christian and you're struggling with the whys of your life and you're not getting all the answers, remember this. You will not get every question answered, but you and I have the wonderful Word of God. He reveals to us His wonderful promises and truths. He tells us everything that we need to know to believe him. You know, we all have theories about the world, how it began, and suffering, why it exists. Or God, do you even exist? But we have to constantly say and remind ourselves, don't trust in just human wisdom or our own abilities to provide the answers to questions that we may have. God says in his word, I have revealed myself to you. Trust me and my sovereign word. And if you have doubts about the virgin birth, also known as the virgin conception, remember it takes just as much faith to trust in your own theories to explain away the miraculous nature of Jesus' birth as it does to believe in it. Take the humble step today to simply say, Lord, I don't understand all of this and how this works out, but I believe. Help my unbelief. I trust you. You see, I love Mary's humble response. Verse 38 and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary humbly responded to God, translated this verse, could say something like this, God, you are God and I am not. I trust you and your word. Though I don't understand every detail of the matter. You see, Mary doesn't question or push back. She believed God's promise. What he told her, he believed. And she didn't have to have a lot of answers to the how Jesus would be born or how she and Joseph would handle the questions that had to come up because of this pregnancy and Jesus' birth. But she simply trusted the angel's promise and centered her hope in Jesus alone. You know, we all have questions, right? Some of us have those big questions of still struggling with, is God real? Or how can Jesus both be human and divine? Can you answer that one? Or, Probably more practically, can I trust you, God, with all the pain I'm going through in my life? These are good questions. And God does not shame you for asking these things. But he calls you also to simple faith without complete understanding. I love the simple trust of of a woman that I met, you know, years ago named Johnny Erickson Tada. Do, do you know that name? Johnny Erickson was a, was a, as a teenager, had a diving accident in the Baltimore area, and she became a, a quadriplegic. And then throughout her, virtually her whole life, she's had a ministry of helping those with special needs to help point them and their families to Jesus and him alone. And and years ago, my dad, right here, Neil Adams, you know, made me fall over there, Dad. (laughs) My dad uh, was in a a little prayer meeting. Now, remember, Johnny had this national, international ministry, churches, huge churches would have her come speak. She had this great, um, you know, she had this incredible, clear message of the gospel. But my dad and... His pastor, our church of about 150 people there in Calabasas, California, she, Johnny, would come to like 6 a.m. prayer with Dad and the pastor and pray weekly for several years with him. You know, why? Why would she spend her time? It was to many of us that would seem that's a waste of her influence. But she was called to it because she had a simple heart of faith. And God called her to those moments where there was no crowds, no one, no accolades. And I love that. And a couple of times I was able to join in with that prayer meeting and see her amazing faith. And she wrote this about faith that helped me thinking about this applying this sermon this week. She said this, faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the misty future. It's simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. You see, we're not going to get all the clarity we may want. But are we willing to take God at his word and take the next step? What's your next step in putting your faith in Jesus? Remember, remember this, from what we've seen today in God's word, faith in Jesus gives us hope. And we would all say we need that. So today, whether you're a Christ follower and you need to again put your faith in Jesus and him alone, or if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're here in person or you're online, I'd encourage you, I'd urge you, simply put your faith in Jesus alone and that will grow your hope as we come to the lord's table today i want to invite you to just ask this one simple question today is where is your hope where is your hope Is it in Jesus alone? Where are those things, other things, we're relying on, trusting in, putting our confidence in other than Jesus? Let's take a moment as a church body to identify those in silent confession and repent, reject those things that we might trust more and more in Jesus alone. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.